Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. Welcome to the last episode of the year. Already? Somehow? I will be taking a break after this one. So, the next episode after this will come out on January 15th. I am currently reading The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty, and I am enjoying it so far. I really, I wanted it to be a standalone and not part of a series, but it's part of a series, so, and I found that out halfway through the book. I just have, you just have a different expectation when you go in to read a book and it's a standalone versus you know it's going to be the first part in a series. Anyway, I haven't finished it yet. We'll see how that goes. Let's get started. This time we are talking about the Lockwood and Co. series by Jonathan Stroud. Here is the summary of Book One, The Screaming Staircase. For more than 50 years, the country has been affected by a horrifying epidemic of ghosts. A number of psychic investigations agencies have sprung up to destroy the dangerous apparitions. Lucy Carlyle, a talented young agent, arrives in London hoping for a notable career. Instead, she finds herself joining the smallest, most ramshackle agency in the city, run by the charismatic Anthony Lockwood. When one of their cases goes horribly wrong, Lockwood and co. have one last chance of redemption. Unfortunately, this involves spending the night in one of the most haunted houses in England and trying to escape alive. There are a total of five books in the Lockwood and Co. series. The first book, The Screaming Staircase, was published in 2013. The final book, The Empty Grave, was published in 2017. The Screaming Staircase was a nominee for quite a few book prizes, and each subsequent book in the series received at least a booklist starred review. Our author, Jonathan Stroud, was born in England. He studied English literature at the University of York and worked as an editor before becoming a novelist. His other works include the Bartimaeus Trilogy, and his recent series is called The Outlaws Scarlet and Brown. I had a version of this episode written for just The Screaming Staircase, the first book in this series. Um, and then I went and read the rest of the series before I got around to recording this episode. Um, so I figured I'd just go for it and talk about all five books while I'm here. There are some series where that works really well and some where it doesn't, and Lockwood and Co., it'll be easier to talk about this full series than it is to talk about, like, the Wayfarer series, for example, because this series is all one complete story, and the Wayfarers are, like, four very distinct stories. Five very distinct stories. I can't remember how many Wayfarers books there are. It's not important. We're here to talk about the Lockwood and Co. books, which are historical fantasy, 
Is that what you call this genre? Or is it just middle grade fantasy? Is this too urban fantasy? I don't know how you decide what goes in what genre. I really don't. I think it's mostly genres are like a marketing tool, which is fine. It makes sense. It just depends what audience you are trying to reach. They are set in England, where much is the same, except that for the last 50-ish years, they have been dealing with the problem, capital letters. Ghosts of all shapes and sizes are now frequent. Everywhere is haunted, and every year the problem gets worse, and no one knows why. There are societies studying the, pro- the ghost problem and trying to understand it, but part of the reason that the general population doesn't know very much about, like, the cause of the ghost problem is that, like, a lot of their time and energy has been put into restructuring their whole society to be to work around everything being haunted. They've had to learn how to defend themselves from the influx of ghosts, like doing things like adding iron to homes and businesses to keep ghosts out, setting up agencies to deal with ghosts, learning what works to banish a ghost and what will just get you killed. One of the things they have figured out is that the people best suited to see ghosts are children and teenagers. They have stronger psychic senses than adults. Adults can perhaps sense a ghost by a chill in the air and a vague sense of unease, but children can see the ghosts themselves. Certain kids with psychic abilities. And so children are taught to be ghost hunters, and they can be hired out by agencies to deal with your haunted house. Isn't that nice? So, when you're reading kids' books, you have to accept that as a prerequisite for being a kid's book, kids are going to be the heroes. They're going to be the ones making things happen and being in danger. Kids are the, are the audience, so kids are the protagonists. You can't read a kid's book and be upset that kids are the ones getting stuff done. And this is why I was taking a break from reading Young Adult for a few months this year, or for a few years, because I would pick up a young adult book and I would be annoyed that kids were the ones doing things, and I had to stop because that's literally the dumbest thing to be annoyed about in a young adult book. It's like being upset that there are songs in a musical. But, you know, I read In Other Lands, and then Legendborn, and then these books, so I guess I'm good with young adult again now? Maybe? (laughs) One thing that helps for me anyway, is having a decent world-building reason for kids to be the ones doing the dangerous jobs. And in the Lockwood and Co. books, as people get older, they lose their psychic abilities. So at the onset, as far as we know, kids are the only ones who can really see ghosts. One of the things Stroud does really well is shine a light on how messed up it is 
for kids to be the ones in this situation. And he does this partially by having our main characters be really protective of kids who are younger than themselves. There are kids who are too young to be agents or don't have enough psychic ability or don't have the right connections and training. Those kids end up as Night Watch. They're basically like a ghost spotters. They are put in danger to help protect the useless adults who can't see anything. Our main characters are agents. They're the ones hired to deal with a ghost by finding its source. So the thing that's keeping it tied to the physical world, so that could be their body or a treasured possession. And agents get rid of it so that the ghost will go away. And they are like I said, very protective of the Night Watch kids because they they know and appreciate the danger. And it sure is something to have a 15-year-old look an adult in the eye and say, and how old was the kid who was hurt about a 10-year-old who was nearly killed by a ghost because an adult had put them in a dangerous situation? <sighs> when that happened, I was just had to put the book down for a minute. I was like, oh, no, you are also a child. Uh, (sighs) The book is written in first person. The books, I should say, are written in first person. Our narrator is Lucy Carlyle, who recently moved to London to escape her small town ghost hunting job. Um, She was part of an agency in her small town, and part of the reason she left is that her team was killed on a job partly due to an adult's mishandling of a dangerous situation. Lucy finds Lockwood & Co., run by one Anthony Lockwood and George Cubbins. They are all teenagers. There are no adult supervisors, which is fine with all of them. They're like the only psychic agency that doesn't have an adult supervisor. As far as they are concerned, adults are useless. George does the research, Lockwood does the foolhardy plans, and Lucy talks to ghosts. She's been with them for a while at the start of the book. She's mostly settled in, but they're still kind of figuring each other out. In the first book, The Screaming Staircase, they take a job to clear a haunted house. Easy enough, they've done plenty. Except, of course, instead, they stumble upon the ghost of someone murdered and hidden in the walls of the house. As one might imagine, a murdered person's ghost has a lot more reason to be upset, and the stronger the emotion, the stronger the ghost. Lockwood and Co. technically finish the job. They also technically burn the house down. Whoops. As a result, they find themselves on the hook for 60,000 pounds in damages, which they will have to pay or lose their agency. Literally and figuratively, if they lose Lockwood & Co., their only other choice will be to join a psychic agency run by adults. They all value their independence very much. They have also all been in situations or know of situations where agents were put into danger by adults who underestimated the ghosts they were facing. Lucy and Co. want to be the ones deciding what danger they will rush into, not some adult who hasn't been able to sense ghosts for 30 years. 
They are going to have to solve a big ghost problem to get out of trouble. Luckily for them, along comes Sir John Fairfax with a haunted mansion that needs clearing. Fairfax made his name and fortune by going into ironworks when the problem started. Iron is one of the best defenses against ghosts, so you can imagine an ironworks would be an extremely profitable industry in a world full of a worsening ghost problem. He'll pay off their debt if they can help clear his haunted mansion. But, of course, the catch is he doesn't want them to bring anything super effective against ghosts, which are like magnesium flares and salt bombs and various other explosive devices, because he does not want his mansion burned down for some reason. But, you know, a big house with a long history of death is not where you want to go without every available tool, not if you want to return alive. So the first book is them solving the murder and dealing with a Fairfax house. The rest of the series continues with a combination of smaller mysteries tying into the overarching, bigger mystery of the problem, capital P, problem itself. They deal with a haunted theater, a cluster of ghosts, getting into fights and arguments with other agencies. There's like this whole haunted town that they help. And along the way, they uncover the history of the problem and figure out how it all started and where it all came from. The characters are fun to read. Lockwood and Co. alternates between working together really well and then turning around and tripping over each other the next minute. Um, I really enjoyed the whole series. Stroud did such a good job of convincing me that everyone was in real danger in each book. Um, and I really liked Lucy and her journey, her arc where her psychic powers get stronger and she starts actually communicating with ghosts, trying to sit and listen to them to figure out how to help them move on rather than just immediately banishing them. Netflix did make a season of a Lockwood & Co. show, which is very good. Book to show or movie adaptations can be so hit or miss, but it really was very well done. And it covers books one and two of the series. For some reason, they did cancel the show, which is so baffling to me. But I think the, sh the show, the season is worth a watch anyway. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, sometimes once you've read the source material, you realize how bad the adaptation is. But I've watched it like three times now, including earlier this week, and it's still good, even after having read the whole book series. Like, I'm just so... Why did... It was really good, and they really should have just stuck it out and done one more season of it because they could have told I mean it would have been pretty fast to do the rest of it in one more season but like they they fit books one and two really well into one season so anyway I think they should have made more if you want more media like this obviously please watch the Netflix show it was so good um, but for books, you can give Artemis Fowl by Owen Colfer a try. 
or The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Uh, and my first episode of the new year, I think, is going to be In the Garden of Iden by Cage Baker. As always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is to rate and review it, or just share it with a friend. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at backlogbooks.com. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you have an excellent end of the year and beginning of your new year. 